Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome back to Women in Music. I'm your host, Millie Cotton, and I'm here today with American artist Lauren Daigle. Hey, Lauren. Hello. How's it going? So far, so good. Yeah. How are you enjoying yeah. London? I love London. I was just telling someone the other day, um, oh, well, I was telling Colin, but <laughs> the other day, how much I would love to live here. It's like the environment, the people, all of you guys are so kind, first of all. We were talking about the difference between where I grew up and what it's like here. Yeah. And there's so many niceties and all these little things that I feel like in the South we do. You guys are straight to the point. And it's so good. <laughs> it's like so liberating. Just we got in the car yesterday and we were like, I love that you don't have to guess. Like I love that there's no guess of, oh, am I good with this person? Am I not good with this person? It's just like everything's so straight to the point. Yeah. I love it. I love it so much. You people are my... You're like, if you turned me inside out, you, you your yeah. culture is what I would be. To be fair, not everyone's like that in London. Like, I know. I, most people, though. I mean, yeah, I know quite a lot of people like that. Well, what I was telling someone the other day, I was like, I love how direct you guys can be without being rude. Yeah. It's not like everybody's like rude. It's just, oh, yeah, let me just get like to the point. Everyone's in a rush. <laughs> Whereas, like, yeah, in the South, it's like everybody's, it's all slow and drawn out, you know? Yeah. But I just, I love it here. I love the culture. I love the architecture, the the um, amount of artistic expression. This Yesterday, I was walking on the street, and I was um, in a bookshop, and this man, like, peeked his head in the window, and his eyes caught my attention. And I was like, oh, I want to go, I want to talk to that man. He was like an elderly gentleman. And I remember thinking, this is such a peculiar person. Like, he was so interesting. And I said, what's your name? He said, I don't give my name out to strangers. I said, oh, okay, I totally get it. I was like, well, I'm Lauren. And I just started talking to him. And he, we were standing, he was looking in the window of an art gallery mm. and, like, observing some of the art. And I said, man, I love this painting. He goes, yeah, let's, like, look at the light on this image and how light is being captured and the detail of the wrinkle. And we we started, like, critiquing and analyzing this. It was, like, a still-life acrylic painting. And I thought that was so beautiful that there's such an appreciation of art here mm. that even some random gentleman on the street would be willing to dive in to critiquing art with someone who he doesn't even know. I think that you look like on the streets um, of London and there's such an appreciation for style and design mm. that it's just different in America. I yeah. don't think people put um, as much emphasis on their aesthetic, maybe. I don't know. I don't know if that makes sense. But just from what I'm observing, there's 
uh, a deep appreciation for art here that yeah. I really admire. I think like art, music, fashion, we're really lucky as a city to kind of have it all, mm-hmm. I think. You do? Um, yeah. You're my first American artist, actually. So really? That's really exciting. Oh, yeah. wow. Well, yeah, thank you. That's no, kind of an thank honor. Thank you. I'm wow. so happy to have you here and have you on the podcast. Thank you. I usually kick off with a quick fire round that doesn't end up being that quick fire. Okay. But, I mean, I let's like give it. it a go. <laughs> I like that. Let's do it. Um, if you could go anywhere tomorrow, where would you go? Anywhere in the world? Mm-hmm. Hmm, that's really hard. Yeah, see, obviously not quick fire. Uh, <laughs> I love uh, anything tropical. So I would probably say Bali. Like, I really want to go to Bali. I really want to go to Thailand. I haven't been there yet. Yeah. Um, I love Hawaii. I've been to Hawaii and, like, Tulum. Love those places. So, yeah, that's probably, I would say, somewhere tropical. Twitter or Instagram? Instagram. Uh, what was the first song that you wrote? Oh my gosh, that's hard. Um, Once and for all, on my first record. No, that's not the first one. Wait. What was so? What was like? What was the first song you ever wrote? So okay, like, I wrote a song back. about chocolate milk when I was four years old. Oh wow. <laughs> yeah, that's like that's going all the way back. I remember it was raining outside, and I was playing in the rain. Uh, and I cut my my mom was like super super creative um, she still is she's like a whim just I love her and I was playing outside in the rain and I remember being next to this like planter box and watching the rain mix with the dirt and I was like mom it looks like chocolate milk and she said let's run inside and go write a book about chocolate milk <laughs> and I remember it was like a little jingle or like a poem or something that we wrote about chocolate milk so That's that so would have been the first yeah uh, what's the biggest risk that you've taken I would say like when I was in college or uni I had like a scholarship program that I was a part of and someone had asked me to come write in Nashville for just like a week mm. and I said, instead of just coming to write for a week, I'm just going to move to Nashville and drop my scholarship. So I dropped out of college and moved to Nashville, not knowing exactly what the future would hold. But I would say that's probably the biggest risk. But there's been a lot of them. Like, I I tend to take a lot of risk in, like, business endeavors and, like, contracts and things like that. Mm. Like, I really, like, I'll, I'll not sign up for something that's, like, written on the wall as a success and I'll I'll sign up for something that's like a little more dangerous skydiving that so might what's be the most dangerous risk. thing that you've done <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, so I love adrenaline so I've um, I've jumped like this 400 foot cliff over crocodile infested water like rapids in <laughs> Victoria <laughs> Falls in Africa <laughs> oh my god that was that was really fun it's yeah. called a gorge swing you can go YouTube videos of it, but there's, yeah, a, there's a video of you on YouTube doing it. No. Oh, I should put that up. Oh my god, I do have that, that video. That would go viral. I mean, <laughs> not that your videos don't go viral anyway, but that would go like really, really viral. viral. Oh my gosh, yeah, it was so much fun. I need to, I need to go find that video. So that skydiving, yeah. those kind of things. Yeah. Uh, I feel like we've covered this already, but not on here. Late nights or early mornings. Late nights. But I want to be good at early mornings. I really do. Technically, I'm actually a very, very early morning 
it just so happens that it is on the back end of the day. Mm. <laughs> so in, in retrospect, yeah, I go to bed at like 3 or 4 a.m., but technically that's like really, <laughs> I'm, I'm just exceptionally early morning person. I love that, getting in on the technicalities. <laughs> uh, who was the last person that you text? Um, this morning I text my road manager. There's that. I was like, what is, I'm so bad with technology. I told someone, so my, right now, currently, as we're sitting here, my friend has my phone and she's going to Apple to get it fixed. What a nice and friend. I know. She's a, well, she, hers is broken too. <laughs> so she's going there to get hers fixed. And I was like, can you just take mine while you're at it? She was like, yeah, sure. So, uh, but she is a great friend. I, I'm trying to think. I don't like, it's not that I don't like technology. I love technology. Mm. But flip phone over iPhone, flip phone all day. Why? I I just don't like the expectation of connectivity. Okay. I feel like because we're all so connected, you, if you don't respond or if you're not like obsessive about it, mm. there's... Oh my god, sorry. Good thing it's just ice. She, you, she kicks a coffee off the table. <laughs> the, I think, like, for instance, I'm a snail mail girl all day long. Like, I write letters to my grandparents, like, cards, and send them in the mail. Um, and I think I treat emails how people treat snail mail. And I treat text messages how people treat emails. Yeah. So I'm not like savvy. I'm so much more here, interpersonal. Yeah. Like I want to talk to you. I want to get to know you. Yeah. Whereas people, a lot more people are, a text is probably what a conversation would be. Yeah. See, I'm the same. I hate texting. Yeah. I can't, can't stand, stand it. it. Also, it's quite hard to get across what you actually mean in a text. Yes. Right? So I'm quite glad that we do voice notes now. Yes. Voice yeah. notes, you can have like intonation mm-hmm. and expression, whereas yeah. texting, it's like something you can come so across dry. entirely differently. Yeah. yeah. Um, what's the worst bit about tour life? Being away from family. Yeah. I miss that. I think my, my sister had a baby and my sister-in-law just had a baby and I would be there so much more yeah. if I wasn't just on the road all the time. So missing family. Um... Having a lifestyle that is so different from the norm. So when I come off the road, I have to remember what my old life was like so that I can like adjust to what everyone else is doing. And you see, you see so many things and it's amazing. Like it's beautiful. I love touring. I don't ever want that to end because you get this perspective that I think a lot of people don't. I, I observe culture. I observe people. I can have a conversation with genuinely any person in the world um, and not be intimidated or threatened in that conversation. Like, I don't understand what they mean. I don't know. Because there's this, like, innate thing that comes whenever you tour. You just are forced into all of these cultures. So you learn how to just deal with so many different types of people, which is, that's the gift. Um, On the other side of that is when you go back home to the people that you love, they don't necessarily have those experiences. Mm. So it's like you live in these two completely different universes and you're constantly stuck in the chasm of trying to bring those two worlds together. Um, And it's a lot of work. So 
when you go home to friends who they've been at their nine to five desk job and they have no idea what you've just experienced. Like I've been in 12 countries in the past 15 days. You know, they're like, wait, what? Their past 15 days is like, I sent a resume over to this company that I want to work for. Totally different. Yeah, it's so like outside of anything that's imaginable, I imagine, for other people. Yeah, and one is not greater than the other. I think that's the misconception. Mm. It's like a lot of people think, well, is my nine to five boring? No, actually. Like when you're on the road all the time, sometimes you're like, man, I just wish I could do something a little more steady. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, like a little more steady. Um, But I actually quite love the chaos of it. I love being in different places. I love meeting different people. I love um, not knowing what the next step is, but knowing what the next year is. Mm -hmm. I think that's a lot of people are like, wait. I'm like, yeah, I I can tell you every single day for the next year. We're already planning fall 2020. Yeah. They're wanting to get into 2021 right now. So I'm like, it's so far advanced. But your day-to-day is never planned. It's yeah, like, exactly. It's, it's so interesting. So, yeah, I think the hardest part about touring is being separated from kind of uh, the real world, if there is such a thing. Who would play you in a movie? Oh, my gosh. That's a great question. <laughs> oh, wow. Like, someone close to me or someone not close? I think someone not close. Someone I love, like A-list Hollywood. Maybe. I love Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah. If Jennifer Lawrence could play me in a movie, I would love it. If Julia Roberts can play me in a movie, I would oh, love it. Julia Roberts is just my idol. I yeah. love her. I love. We she's actually also, have, she's not aged. Like What is it? But I don't, like, she's not like filling her face. No, she that's the thing. so beautiful. She's like the essence of graceful. Mm. Oh, I love her. So yesterday we were sitting at a shop, coffee shop, and we had the conversation... Um, when we were diving into droves of food, <laughs> we had two orders of bangers and mash, two pies. Oh my god, I saw this on your chips. Instagram story. Where was that? Oh my gosh, it's chaos. Um, at this place called the Duke of Wellington in Notting Hill. Okay. Um, it looked we, great. It was so good. We actually stumbled upon it our last time here yeah. by accident, and they have this beer there that's like so good. The son of the I can't remember if it's the lead guitarist of Led Zeppelin or something. He created this beer. And they only have it at a couple of spots in London, apparently. Mm-hmm. Or at least that's what I was told. I yeah. don't know if that's accurate. But it's really good. So I was like, okay, let's go back to that spot. Anyway, um, we were having... Oh, sorry. Oh, oh no. No, go <laughs> no, for no, it. keep going. But we were having this conversation about who who is our favorite actor or actress and what movie is it that like made you fall in love? And half of the table said Julia Roberts. Notting Hill. She's just stunning. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because, in Hill. because we were talking about the film. Yeah. yeah. Because of Notting Hill with yeah. being there. She's incredible. I mean, it's though. such a classic though. I Probably know. one of the best British movies ever made, yeah. I think. Yeah, I agree. Uh, finish these lyrics. When you're ready, come. Come and get it. Yeah. Na, 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 na. Yeah. yeah. I was like, wait, do I finish it with my own writing or with the writing of someone else? Yeah. Should have probably made that clearer. It's the <laughs> no, first time I've done that one. That's so. great. <laughs> Selena, um, she's so sweet. We've become, we've gotten to actually know each other just a little bit yeah. through this process. And that girl is, she is gold. I can't say 
enough good things about her. One word to describe your music. That's hard. I would say hopeful, maybe. That's hard. One word. The one word is the hard part. Describing is not the hard part. The one <laughs> word is the hard part. One word to describe anything, I think, is hard, let alone yeah, something like yeah, so Maybe emotional. Because I, I look out in the crowd and I see people just crying the entire time. So maybe that would be it. Yeah. Emotional. <laughs> um, what's a song that reminds you of childhood? From my record or from anything? From anything. Okay. Uh, Yellow Submarine by the Beatles. We used to listen to the Beatles over and over and over again and just lay in the grass. And where I'm from is really warm, like it's hot outside. So it'd be baking hot sun and we would just be laying in the grass watching the clouds move. That sounds like, like something out of a listening. movie. <laughs> yeah, it was. My childhood, I feel like, was out of a movie because we were... We have, have you all seen that movie, The Sandlot? No. Is that, was that common here? Okay, it's like the staple childhood movie in the U.S. Uh, and that was very much how my childhood was. Yeah. It was just fun, like lots of adventure, climbing trees, like like building little worlds. Um, I grew up not in a city environment. Like mm -hmm. we had like yards and it was... Uh, someone said yesterday, like, oh, you grew up in a rural setting. And I was like, oh, no, 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 it wasn't rural. And then when I think about London and the expanse of London, I'm like, okay, to Londoners, yeah, it would be considered rural. But it wasn't considered rural. That's just how where I grew up was. Yeah. Like, Louisiana is very, you have kind of like a landscape involved. And so uh, we, would, we would do stuff like that all the time, like just lay in the grass. Or we would make music videos in the backyard where we'd like have a fake camera and we'd like actually make costumes like yeah. my grandmother she was a seamstress and we would actually so like I remember when uh, Survivor came out Destiny's Child yep and I had to live like yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we my grandmother I was like I love it there in like all the camo and stuff so we made like camo outfits like actually went to the fabric store sewed them from scratch oh, and amazing. then I made music videos in yeah. the background See, we the used to pretend to be the Spice Girls we were in love with the Spice Girls too yes. I was like I wanted to be Sporty Spice so bad I was Sporty Spice yes I fellow Sporty Spice yeah I loved her I always wanted to be baby though because I was like had fairly like no tan skin and long brown hair I yeah. was never allowed to be baby yeah no sad times so finally for the quick fire round how many Spotify streams do you have I want to know if you know this. I don't. I have no idea. <laughs> 1.8 you know? billion. Wait, what? Are you kidding me? I thought you were going to say 1.8 million, like no, with an M. No billion. Joke. And so I was, it was so funny because last night I Is was that like, a lot? Right, I'm going to sit down with my phone and my calculator and add them up. And then thankfully it was on your press release. Because <laughs> I started and I was like, I'm getting so confused by adding these <laughs> Okay, that's in, wait, is can you just go with me here? This is not, I am, this is how removed I am. Don't, please don't judge me. And for every person that works on Spotify that might be listening to this, I love you, sorry. <laughs> is is 1.8 billion a lot? Or is that is that considered, like, how does, this, how does Spotify work in the UK? I mean... 
It's a lot, right? I'm having to just double check. Okay. It's okay. fucking loads. Okay. <laughs> okay. That sounds so bad because you're like, okay, Taylor Swift. I mean, like, how, you know what I mean? Like, where's the yeah. relativity? But billion with a B. Bill, billion with a B. And then I then had to Google how many million is in a billion. So it's yeah. a thousand million in a billion uh-huh. like, I, yeah because you so have the zero the numbers dang. were so big dang but anyway I y'all want, thank you anybody listening thank it's a huge you. amount of streams That's right so right now when was it that i guess maybe you haven't realized the reach of your music or like the no. that it has on people <laughs> but like how does that feel oh wow that's that statistic right now is like stopping me in my track <laughs> um because it's it all about the numbers that. though i guess no it, it's not still. i know that's the thing i i actually don't know the numbers very well i know some like i'm not so removed that i just don't pay attention but i because I, I actually really care but some of them i just am like whoa wait what mm. it takes me off off guard but um i think the reason why the numbers are important is just because they point to the stories like i think about the stories all the time we do meet and greets every show um and I actually had to, to take it back because it started getting so emotionally heavy. Yeah. So, like, last week, um, I had a meet and greet before the show and a meet and greet after the show. And one meet and greet was of a child who had just... She was five years old, and she had just finished chemo that day. Wow. And then I had the meet and greet after was of the family who was, like, a part of this, like, make-a-wish kind of... Where they... W- like, they make a wish of what they want they get to go see an artist or go to Disney World or something yeah. like that and is, do y'all have make a wish program here yeah we do okay yeah. so I guess uh, it was something along the lines of she wanted to meet me but she ended up not making it and she was nine years old and the family ended up coming oh my gosh so like living in that juxtaposition yeah all the time it started getting like really heavy so I actually kind of had to pull back from the amount of meet and greets which was so that is so hard because I want to meet everybody you know but the stories are so incredible the other day I was walking on the street and I saw this homeless lady sleeping and she had her whole body wrapped and just the way she was sleeping it like startled me and so I walked up to her and I said excuse me ma'am she said yes I said are you okay she was like yeah yeah I'm just sleeping but it just didn't settle so I said, no, like, can I go get you a hotel room? And she was like, don't spend money on a hotel room. Spend money on a blanket. And I was like, well, how about you get a blanket at the hotel? Like, I just, I don't know, something about you laying yeah. out here. You could tell something wasn't right or something. I don't know. It just jarred me. So I said, here, just jump in my car. I'll take you to the hotel. So I went to a hotel. And... I said, what's your name? And same story. She said, I'm not going to tell you my name. I don't give my names out, name out to strangers, mm. so just call me Jane Doe. I said, great. Love it. I'll call you Jane. And I said, well, my name is Lauren. And we got into this conversation, and we talked about, she said, wait, so you live here in Nashville? I said, I do. I said, I'm not here often, though, because of touring. And she said, so you're telling me you have a place that you don't stay in. And it just... It, like, ripped my heart out. I said, I know. I said, I hate, I actually hate that reality. 
And I said, it, it guilts me every day. Like, I want someone to be living there. Um, but I also know that I have, like, I have to come back to some, yeah. to a place. Anyway, so we get in this conversation. She said, wait, you say you're touring. And I said, yeah. She said, is your name Lauren Daigle? And I said, wait, what? I about <laughs> fell over. I was like, are you kidding me right now? I said, hold up. I did not, I did not expect this. And she said, your music we found when my daughter, she was 24, she was dying of a muscular disease. And we found your music in the last year of her life. And we listened to it over and over and over. And it changed her life. What in the world is happening right now? I'm just taking this homeless lady to get a hotel room. And she knows who I am. And she and her, the music changed the girl's life. I was like, what in the world? So I think when you ask like what it's like to see the impact it stops me in my tracks and to think that music can be that potent Mm. that it really does like impact the life of someone not just like oh it it felt good to listen to that song I have a lot of those songs like I dance my brains out to this you know (laughs) but to see that um it affects the soul of a human like when they're maybe on their deathbed that's powerful that's that's so powerful insane like this mom this mom this lady just started weeping in the car like tears just started falling down her face as she was like remembering her daughter yeah it was so profound and i think um that's the power of the message of of music and what music can do in someone's life Definitely. That's quite a lot to take on, though. Like, you're just one person. Oh, my gosh, So you have incredible reach, but that's like... Mm -hmm. Do you have therapy to Mm -hmm. help with it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I I don't know. I don't want to go as far as to say I was suicidal because that... I feel like for people who are actually in that fight, like, day in and day out, that would be a little... That would be kind of a reach. But maybe suicidal thoughts... um, because of how much weight it be, it started to take on. Mm. And I think I started living in other people's reality a lot because of my, like, natural compassion, I think. There's a word for it. Uh, someone, they, they there's, like, a label for that type of person where they take on some what someone else is experiencing. When you're, like, really empathetic. Yes. But to super, a certain extent that you can't, like, yeah, switch it off. An yeah, empath. I don't know what the word is, yeah, but yeah. Em- they yeah. call, yeah, an empath. That's what I've heard. So um, I think because of how deep that is, my the counselor that I was working with, she said that she's never met someone like more affected by people, like our engagement. Um, I'm su- it, she said, you're off the scale relational. Like my relationals, I just love, I like actually love people. I love being with people. I love seeing people smile. I love pe- seeing people cry. I love being with people in their hardest times and in their most joyful times. Like, I just love people. So that was prior to music. Like, that was who I was way before music. I would talk to anyone and everyone, and I just love, I love it. So then now putting me in an environment where music is actually affecting these people to a degree that I can't even wrap my head around. Yeah. It started, it got really heavy for a while, and then that's when my manager was like, uh, I think we need to put you in counseling. And I was like, no, no, I'll be fine. Like, I'll just pull it together. But, like, my headspace around shows, like, all of that started getting, like, started to get affected. Mm. 
And then I was like, I don't know if I can tour anymore. Like, it started going there. And she yeah. was like, no, you can. We just need to get, like, legit help around you through all this. So, yeah, I started going into counseling, and now I feel much better about all of it. Yeah, no, that's, it's, like, always good, isn't it? I think everyone should have therapy, personally. Me too. But definitely people who are taking on so much of other people's stuff. Yeah, I feel which, like if more people went to therapy, we'd see, like, less harm in I the agree. world. Like, less pain in the world. Less. Yeah. I feel like people would... Yeah, yeah, I'm all I'm all about therapy. I think it's great. So you won a Grammy. Yeah. I oh no, you won two Grammys. Yeah, you two, two Grammys. Grammys. <laughs> What's winning a Grammy like? I I laugh all the time because my producer and I we are late to everything mm. in life. Like, hey, we need you to turn in this song. Okay, great. Three days later, hey, we need you to be at this recital at such and such time. Okay, great, walking in right when it starts. Like, we just, it's kind of humorous. Um, And the day that we were going to win the Grammy, we were sitting in our seats, but because we were so far back in the auditorium, like, uh, it was in the pre-show. Yeah. And we just kind of, like, scooted in. We're sitting there. We win the Grammys. They started playing, like, the music of, like, they're not here to receive the award. And we're, like, <laughs> running down the aisle, like, we are, we are. So it was, like, super symbolic, I feel like, and just funny because we were even late to receive the Grammy. Anyway, what that was like, though, it was quite an adrenaline rush, I would say. Yeah. Um, and I think the most potent thing about the Grammys is the fact that it, it's, one, it's actually, it's so credible. Um, when you see how the world views the Grammys. Like mm. it's like it's such a stately award. And the the thing that makes it potent for me though is how many stories are connected to the Gram like to that award. You see um your producer, it affects your producer, it affects your manager, it affects your label, it affects it, it points to all the people that have received the music. The people like the 1.8 billion. Yeah. That that is completely in my in my mind. Like compi- it comprises what the Grammys are made of. Um, and so to see like people who have loved the record, who have been affected by the record, impacted by the record, and then all of those stories, it's like they surmount into this one moment. And mm. that I think that was winning the Grammys. Seeing that take on the industry seeing the stories of of the people with cancer and the children who are passing away and all that seeing those stories reach the heart of the people who are making the decisions about you know the awards and stuff yeah that's really powerful to me yeah of course so aside from the grammys look up child has been out for just over a year right just yeah we released it in september of last year so what's your past year been like Oh, it's been a whirlwind. It's been life-changing. But you know what's so funny is everybody comes up to me and they're like, oh my gosh, do you, do you recognize like what's going on? And I think there's like a piece of me that's actually genuinely naive to it. Like, because my, my role hasn't really changed. Mm-hmm. Um, it's still touring. It's still representing a record. It's still meeting tons of beautiful people. It's, that's all very much the same. And so whenever like I'm sitting with you and you're like, do you realize the reach? I think that's what like 
that's what the past year has been is me being constantly surprised like wait what because because what I'm doing day to day hasn't changed yeah but the impact has so um yeah I would say <laughs> this past year has been some of the most incredible moments I've ever had in mm. my life genuinely we just played Red Rocks um which I'm trying to think is that do y'all know about that venue I, no I okay don't know what that is. Sorry. so Red Rocks would be like I don't want to say like playing Wembley Stadium Mm -hmm. or the O2, but something of that nature. Where is it? It's in Colorado, and it's an outdoor, it's an outdoor venue, like an amphitheater, but it's like, it's iconic, like super legendary, and so, um, I just like those kind of moments. My parents flew in and came, and and you see people like flying in from all over the country Mm. to come. And watch that happen and you're like wow we're here and then we like we, we recorded this live thing at the Greek theater like all of these moments that are happening you're I feel like I'm every day I wake up and I'm pinching myself and then to not only have that in the US but then to say oh we're coming to tour, tour Europe and then we just launched a world tour where we're gonna go to South America Australia Asia here like I'm like what in the world is going on to think that I only released my first record four and a half years ago. So it hasn't been that long. I feel like I'm still very green and learning yeah. so much. Like every day I'm learning something new. But this past year has been, I feel like the things that I dreamt of when I was a little girl, a lot of them are happening right now. What's the biggest difference between your first album and your third album would you say like so what's been the, the progress between them the first record was I was so new I, I feel like there's pieces of myself that were very much invested and then a lot of it was also just kind of trusting the people that were around me mm. because I didn't really know I didn't really know what I was doing I didn't really know I knew about songwriting I wasn't a great songwriter like there's a lot of those kind of things um that were just really amateur. Even sounds, like the way it sounded, I remember thinking, ah, I don't know, like, I love this. I don't know if this, I don't know if this is me as an artist fully. And I think that's the beautiful part about it. Like, I, I think that's required and necessary for you to find your voice, you know? So there's like pieces of me that I actually love that. I love that the first record um, was kind of this landscape of newness. And I remember my producer sitting with me and saying, just trust me, we're going to get to what you love. But it was me finding a voice and saying, I don't know how to communicate this. Mm. It was a lot of, of that, which I love. I think was really rich and beautiful because I was so young. Um, and fast forward to this record, what makes it different is I think there was a lot more in, involvement. I mean, I sat... I sat in every ounce of the recording process. Like, did not miss a moment. No. I slept in the studio. <laughs> like, I, I had the stomach, a stomach virus there, and I would, like, run down and, like, go, like, vomit in the bathroom. It was so graphic. <laughs> no. I know it's so bad. But I would, like, get up, go, like, to the bathroom, and then run back upstairs and just, like, sit in there and listen to the studio. Like, I just loved it. I couldn't get enough of it. It didn't matter what the cost was. I just, I loved being there. And um, 
I feel like that that was really expressed on the record. Maybe not maybe not a stomach virus, but like <laughs> not how, you being sick. Yeah, not me being <laughs> sick, but just the passion and the enthusiasm for that space really came alive like on the record. I remember feeling like I don't care if I ever leave here. Like mm-hmm. I literally I love this. I love writing a song and putting music to it and feeling like there was nothing there. And now there's something there. And this something has the potential to change the life of someone. Like, it's so it's so vast. And I feel like every day that you're in this studio, you're, you're in the process of this, like, adventure, this, like, exploration. I feel like, like, you know, someone going to settle a new land or something. And <laughs> it's just so exhilarating. So, um, yeah, I, I think the difference between the first record and the third record is me finding myself yeah yeah um what made you first want to be an artist obviously that's like going back a really long yeah. time but I remember when I was a kid so I played this camel in the church play when I was a little kid and I remember getting off stage and telling my mom I want to do this forever mm. and I listened to like Celine Dion and Whitney Houston and all these incredible legends and starting at like five years old and I would lay next to the boom box and like wait for them to come on the radio and then fast forward to the third grade there was this this play that our school was putting on but there was only one solo and I remember thinking oh I want to do that so bad I want to be a part of the solo but thinking like there's no way that they'll ever see like any musical talent in me like I didn't think because I didn't do that I wasn't like the the school play kid or anything like that. I was sports, like playing softball. Oh, and really? All that. Yeah. And um, the music teacher came up to me after class and said, I want you to be the girl to do it. And I was like, what? I remember being shocked. Like, you, you think I can do it? And the song was Man in the Mirror by Michael Jackson. And I would lay on the floor and just listen to it over and over and over. And I would study it and think, how is he feeling when he wrote this? And how did he move? And how did he, like, I just remember being so involved in, in what that was like and thinking, even in third grade, thinking, what was Michael Jackson going through to That's a write really this analytical song? thing for like a what, eight year old? Yeah. Eight Isn't that weird? Yeah. I, like, I just had that revelation just sitting here. Like, <laughs> I remember the thought laying on the floor being like, what did he say? Because I want to say that too. Mm. And so it was really, everything was, but but everything was really intentional and really deep. But post that experience, I never sang again. Mm. Like never involved in anything until I was like 16. I was sick with this illness. I was placed on homebound for two years. And my mom put me in voice lessons in order to like keep me from depression and stuff because I was I loved being with like I said I love people yeah. I loved being with people all the time, but I was placed on homebound so I couldn't really leave very often, and um, that was some of the most formative years. But I was in like isolation, so she said, "Okay, voice lessons is a way to to get you out." And I would sing around the house all the time, so she knew I loved music even though. And I knew I loved it, but I was at a college preparatory school for academics. Mm. So it was like, you go be a lawyer, you go be a doctor, you know, not anything within the arts. And um, I just remember in that that period of time where it became real for me was 
it brought me so much hope to get me out of bed, like to get me, I remember waking up and all I would do is just write, 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 write. I want to write songs, I want to write books and it allowed me to come alive. So I knew, like I remember as a kid, like saying this prayer when I was sick, if you, God, if you let me do music, I will bring this hope to people like this. And, and now seeing it, like seeing it with all those stories, like it's really happening. I think that's what's so wild, like genuinely, like humbly I'm saying that. It's so wild to see that in my lowest moment, music was the thing that brought, like, brought me alive. Mm-hmm. And now through my songs, I'm able to bring that to the people who are going through their worst moments. Yeah. Uh, it's really surreal, really humbling. But what made me want to do music, it was that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To talk about faith a little bit, um, was, am I right in thinking that you didn't always want to start writing about Christianity? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how, yeah. what made you then start doing it? So my label, this is a cra- like crazy story, but when I was, um, I was at uni, I was at this place called Louisiana State University. It's like our local college. Mm-hmm. And huge school. But I remember being there. I told my parents, I'm never going to college. Like, there's all these tests that you have to take in order to get into college. I, like, filled out little circles and made shapes. Like, I I literally did not care at all. I think I stayed up till, like, 5 o'clock in the morning the night before. You had to be there at, like, 8 a.m. Like, it was, like, I did not care. And um, I remember being in there and thinking, why am I in college like what I don't want to do this I have no purpose in being here but I met this band and we would play like cover like bar gigs and stuff on the weekends and um it was so much fun and I loved it but I still even doing that I was like what is what is the purpose of this well that band introduced me to this other band who it went number one their record went number one on Mm -hmm. iTunes for a little while and that band was like this Christian band doing like Christian music um, but it wasn't like blatantly Christian. It was just like inspirational songs. Yeah. And this label reached out to them and said, hey, I would love for you to come to this indie artist retreat to learn about the industry. By the way, one of the girls dropped out that we were having come, and they were all guys. And they said, uh, I don't know who's singing background vocals on your record, but if she wants to come up as like a solo artist, feel free to invite her. Amazing. So I went up totally green I like went up because I was like oh sweet a free trip to the mountains like that sounds awesome <laughs> I had no idea that it was like to meet a record label and get signed I was like oh it's to like go learn about the music industry and so green so the morning of the showcase the lead singer of that band ended up getting an emergency appendectomy mm-hmm. and he had this surgery and they asked me to step in and sing lead for one song and this Christian like it wasn't overtly Christian label. It was just kind of like um, an indie label mm-hmm. that was in the Christian space. Yeah. Um, they signed me like right, right from that one song, and so I ended up moving to Nashville from that experience. That was when I was saying like, what was the biggest risk? It was just moving to Nashville, yeah. not knowing anything. They're like, come up and come right for a week. And I said, well, I'm going to actually just move to Nashville. And they're like, oh, my gosh, if you're that serious, then we'll just sign you. Like, it was, like, that quick. So um, 
what made me start writing Christian music was being, it was almost like I was in the Christian space before I even knew that I wanted to write Christian music. That was just kind of the environment that I yeah. was in. But it was a message like I, I fully believed in. So it wasn't like I was, you know, jeopardizing what I was, like what I believed in. I just think if I was in a mainstream label, I probably would have started writing mainstream music. Yeah, you know? yeah, sure. Um, but the beauty of that is I think there was so much purpose in a, in a great way because I didn't know the beauty of what this would all become. Mm. And I think had I not gone to the Christian label first, I would have been, I would have been writing any and every song, um, which I think is awesome and great. And mm. like, I commend writers who can write these like very vast and wide songs that one second they're writing country, the next second they're writing love songs, the next second they're writing like, like, um, political songs like those people that can write for all of these spaces I think it's amazing so I, I really aspire to that and want to hope someday do that um, I think what was so rich about starting with the Christian label first is to see how like God has met people through these songs that I may not have ever had the opportunity to yeah, see see I was going to say it's, it's like you've made this crossover now because had I have not read more about you I don't think I would have even realised mm -hmm. and I, I don't think that's it's not a yeah. bad thing it's not a good thing it doesn't yeah. you know it's just a space it's neutral. isn't it exactly yeah. so but now you're reaching so many more people but with the same message yeah. that must be amazing because you haven't yeah. had to change yourself or yeah. what you believe or like totally. what you what you want to put out mm -hmm. but you're still reaching this huge audience who might necessarily not be religious yeah totally and p you know what that's so, so funny is people always ask me now that you're in this new space are you going to change your lyrical content mm -hmm. and I'm always like why would I do that that'd be so inauthentic like want to be inauthentic to the people who've come along the journey so far yeah from the first record it'd be inauthentic to the new people who just heard the music um to like change to become something for a format I think like it would just be disingenuous to it'd be for the people and the the, those who have invested in this journey so far, the fans, if you want to call them that, like for those people, it'd be such a letdown. Mm. I want to honor them, and and I want to like deliver a message that I still fully love and believe in. But I do think like um, making a statement, like I was telling someone yesterday, I said. I believe, like Lauren Daigle, that music will will always be um, what it is right yeah. now. Like, and it worked. Like, people love the record. Like, why would I, why would I try to change it yeah. when the format is actually welcoming it? You know, but I do think like eventually there will be like side projects and things yeah, that I put course. out. Yeah, of course. Like you're allowed just, to evolve. Yeah, right? like totally. everyone in every genre evolves yeah. into something else, or you know, something that's like a a bit off yeah, of that genre rather than totally. having to like pigeonhole themselves yeah that I just think when it comes to religion maybe people expect you to be more pigeonholed yeah like, I don't there's want no need for it no no I'm like no way I love artistic expression mm. I love like like the man that we met that I met on the street the fact yeah. that he could just dive into that one painting it's just so beautiful to me and so I don't think um we were like artists are created to stay in one space i think they're they're made to 
venture out and do yeah, so many things. Um, and I just, yeah, I don't think, I think when it comes to faith, I think faith is something that will always be a part of me regardless of what my output is. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, yeah. definitely. Let's talk very briefly about being a woman in music because I'm aware yeah. that we've been going on for ages. Um, <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much also. for your time. Um, what's the best thing about being a female artist at the moment? Oh, wow. I love... Um, that's a great question. I think the fact that so many women are banding together, like they're, I feel like there's this beautiful camaraderie right now where you see one girl, you know, start... I, I just talked about this with my friend last night we were laying in, in uh, our hotel and talking about this new girl um, that I saw at this award show recently coming up and I was like yeah she's new and I don't know if she has found herself yet and I really just want to she's like 10 years younger than me she's like 18 or 19 or something she's young and I was like I just want to go sit next to her because I remember being young in this and thinking I know I'm supposed to look like I have it all together, but I don't. And I think right now, like, there's something beautiful about women in music that we're all coming and wanting to sit next to each other and champion each other on. I think that's really profound because it's not competitive. It's unifying. Yeah. I think that's really rich. Yeah, no, it's amazing. Who are your favorite female artists to hang out with? Oh, that's a good question. Well, I love, um, it's so crazy because I don't, do it often like my bgvs they're all females and they're all incredible in their own right um and i hope that it stays that way you know i hope that i always have female bgvs because the sound is just they're incredible so i hang out with those guys a lot Mm. like probably i mean i'm not really the artist that doesn't hang out with my band i'm the artist that like i want to i know i know i don't want to be alone i'm like sink me in like every time they have the spotlight I'm like can you turn that down can I don't like that being I don't want to be brighter than the band and they're like what I'm like no just put me in with everyone else anyway um so I hang out with them a lot and I also like the other day Selena so Mm -hmm. Selena came to the show at the Greek and that was the first time I ever hung out with her and I just sat next to her and I was like man this girl's amazing like she is so kind and beautiful and she like came in at my dressing room and hung out with my bgvs when i wasn't even in there you know what i mean like she's just and she came with like a girl entourage and it was just beautiful and i think there's just there i loved hanging out with her even though it was but a brief moment like Mm. being with her was really sweet i don't get to hang out with female artists very often though i guess you're so busy right yeah i'm constantly on the road um and like i've toured with um Hillsong, there's this band called Hillsong United. They have one female artist in that and a female bass player. So I got to hang out with them a bit. Um, There's, and I toured with these two bands that opened for me or started the show for me. Um, And there was, it was this band called Infinity Song. And there's a couple of females in that band. And then um, this other band called The Warren Treaty. And it's a, female male duo and then in the tour that we're the world tour Mm. we're about to do uh for the u.s portion 
there's this band called Johnny Swim that's opening up. I don't know if they've hit the UK yet. I don't think I've heard of them. They're then, they're pretty yeah. um, known back in the US, but it's a female male duo as well. So I I look forward to like getting to hang out with a couple yeah. more females in this journey, but so far it's been it's been a lot of males. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Finally, if you could give one piece of advice to a woman wanting to join the music industry, what would it be? Um, oh, you asked such great, oh, you asked such great you. questions. Um, it would be just hold your ground. I think uh, I used to hear people talk about how there's like women have to speak up more. And I used to be like, why? Like, why can't we just be confident in who we are why don't we have to do it more yeah. why why can't we just speak and and that be enough um and I'm learning what that means now and I think I didn't have a respect for it in the beginning I was always like why like why is why do we have to go the extra mile like why do we have to work harder and I used to think no we don't no we don't like I think I was in denial about I it I think it's an age thing as well right because the more that you deal with people higher up you realize how many people are male yes not yeah. that there's anything wrong with males that's it like I think <laughs> men are amazing <laughs> I like there's nothing in me that wants to put down men I think we should like like support men just like we support women I think that like I'm going through the first amount like this is the first time I think in my career where I'm having to sit down as a woman and say, and say like, hold your ground. Like mm-hmm. you can, you can speak up and have people here. And I never thought that that would be the case. I really didn't. Yeah. Um, but seeing that I'm here to someone coming into it, I would say your voice really matters. And I think, I think men. There are men. There are great men out there that are saying, yeah, it does. I want to hear it. There's other men out there that are like, no, it doesn't. You know, there are those people out there. Make money. Yeah, I want to make money and I don't care. Just make me money and that's that. Um, But fortunately, I have this beautiful balance where I'm around men that, like my band, they're amazing. My crew, they're amazing. There isn't this like hierarchy thing um, in other settings that isn't entirely the case. But for the person coming into it, I would say surround yourself with good people like like surround yourself men and women alike like that are really just solid humans because that will determine the trajectory of your career your tribe determines your vibe or your vibe determines your yeah whatever that saying is yes that's it it whatever that one is it's so true like the places that i'm able to go i know for first and foremost that it's because if i'm having an off day or a bad day like the chick to the right of me and the dude to the left of me, like they're able to keep me grounded. Like they're able to keep me focused and say, no, no, you can do this. Like keep going. You can do this. Like put yourself in the environment of those people that encourage you, that support you, that bring out the best art in you, that also challenge you when you're like just having a, a <laughs> when you're having like a diva moment, moment like yeah they're looking at you like sister get it together you're not that cool like just get it together like put yourself around those people and not the people that are gonna make you feel like oh I got this going on like I've I'm made for this don't put yourself around those people put yourself around the people that are say yeah yeah you're made for this but don't get too ahead of yourself um because that's where longevity is yeah um 
so yeah and I, w- I would say those two things put yourself around people that that are for you not for making you property yeah not for making you the next best thing even though you, you your skin might want it your you might want it don't do that just stay focused on the art um because if you are if you are wanting to be known it's kind of interesting like when you're wanting the fame when you're wanting all of those things you surround yourself with the people that want to gain from your fame it yeah. it's it draws those kind of people in when you're wanting to just be an artist and make great art uh, you will put yourself around people who won't let you get ahead of yourself who won't let you be greater than who you actually are you know amazing um, advice I yeah think. and I could talk to you all day to be honest about <laughs> so many things I think oh, thank uh, you thank you so much for your time thank you so it's much so nice. this is amazing I know you're so easy to talk to oh thank you this is wonderful thanks so much but yeah and thank you everyone for listening and um, I can't remember who's on the episode next week but it'll be someone great and thank you <laughs> thank you So I've just got home from sitting down with Lauren and what a lovely chat that was. She's so interesting and I got to talk to her for so long, which I feel incredibly lucky to have done. If you enjoyed the episode, please do rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. It helps other people to find us. And thank you so much for listening. If you want to reach out to me on socials or have any questions, uh, my handle is at Millie underscore Cotton. Bye.